Hi, I'm Lucas Mack, and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I have Katie Lynn on the show. Katie is a mentor, coach, speaker, and someone I share a mission with, which is seeing the hurt get healing. This is a special episode that you won't want to miss. Good morning, Lucas. I am so grateful to be here and I I'm so excited. I mean, I woke up and like hopped out of bed because <laughs> you are just you're one of my favorite people and oh, the mission that we do share is so important to to my soul mm. and it's it's beautiful to be here and share this Thank time you. with you and the listeners. Thank you. It's truly truly an honor. Um I first uh saw you or or heard of you when you did a video with um, a mutual friend of ours. And I was immediately struck with the clarity and the depth from which you spoke. Can you share where, what's your background? How did you develop into this well of healing power that you are? Mm, Yeah, it's, Gosh, I I tell people I've lived so many lifetimes in this one lifetime and I grew up in a in a great household and yet there was there was chaos, you know? Um and I came in a very intuitive person, highly sensitive person with um additional abilities that I thought everybody had because it was normal to me. And I do believe now that everybody does have them. However, I believe that they're not being cultivated. And so when I went, when I started school, it was like something that I turned the volume down on and, and it was like, this is not acceptable. So we're just going to box it and put it over here. And so I went into high achiever, um, validation seeker, approval seeker kind of mode from my childhood all the way through college, I would say. And I was a student athlete. I got good grades. Um, and I went to, um, to college as a student athlete and did okay. And then realized that I applied to grad school, got into grad school and in grad school, things started to unravel. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by unravel is I, I got into a relationship that I got into because I was so hurt from my previous relationship that had ended. I, it was simply a bandaid. I, completed my grad school courses and everything looked great from the outside in. Hmm. I had the educa- I had the degrees. I had the, I, as soon as I got out of grad school, I got a great job. They like gave me a bonus to start working at this job. That was substantial. I had quote unquote the life. And yet on the inside, I was struggling with an eating disorder. I was what a psychotherapist would would diagnose as uh, an alcoholic, most likely high functioning alcoholic, but still an alcoholic. Mm. I uh, used party drugs. I had depression and anxiety. I was on medication for both of those things. And in October of 2010, I learned that I was going to be a mom. Mm. And based on what I just told you about me at that time, I felt so unprepared for this role. Hmm. I was like, 
I mean, from the outside in, it's like, great, you're going to be a mom. Like, you've got your degree. You've got a great job. This is great, you know. And on the inside, I'm going, but I'm suffering so much. And I feel like I have nobody to tell. I have nobody to share this with, you know. And there had been some sexual trauma. And there had been so much that I kept inside of me because I was so afraid that if I told somebody I would be rejected or I would be abandoned or any of these things. And so I just held it all in and I was silently suffering and my soul was dying inside. Mm. And so what I did was I went through this whirlwind of trying to band-aid everything, which was like when I found out I was pregnant, then I we got married and then we bought a house. And then a year later, it just fell apart because mm. it wasn't built on a foundation of truth. It was built on a foundation of fear fear of if people actually saw who I truly am and what I'm truly creating with my life, would they like me still? Would they love me still? And that was because I had no clue how to love me at that point in life. My self-worth was so low. And after I got my divorce, I hired my first coach and I started working with a coach. And mind you, I'm training to be a psychotherapist through all of this. Hmm. Because at some level, I think I was looking for a way to heal myself. Yeah. And I wasn't finding the answers in that work because it was so externally based. It was based outside of me. And so when I started to do my work with the coach, she took me inside myself. And I got to see, oh my gosh, what's in here that I haven't looked at? And there was so much. And from the point that I hired her, I've been working with coaches ever since, and it's really brought me deep healing because I learned, number one, that vulnerability is extremely powerful. Hmm. Number two, if I own my story, that I get to write the ending of it and how it plays out. So I began to own all of my stories, all of my experiences, and love can heal just about everything. And so I began to really dive in and love what's inside of me and what God's spirit source hand wrote on my soul for me to create here in this world. And that changed the game for me. Wow. <laughs> wow. I am smiling ear to ear right now. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. I look back and I'm like, gosh, I don't even recognize her. Hmm. Who was that? And how did all of that occur in the first 25 years of life? <laughs> you know? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. There's, first of all, thank you. Thank mm. you for coming on this podcast. Thank you for, without filter, sharing, sharing sharing it's such i know people are listening who cannot relate to that mm. and i don't know how many 2020 episodes or dateline nbc episodes or whatever what a uh, like a cable show where it looked like the perfect family they look like they had it all together mm -hmm. the outside appearance looks so good but we know that over and over again the truth is what we see on the outside is rarely is rarely what is happening on the inside 
until until that uh, confluence of love, unconditional love and truth and acceptance, you know, meets someone where they are. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where, where did you get the, cause I, I know where, where I developed it, but for you not feeling safe enough to share what you were going through in that fear of rejection, where, where did that come from? I would say having done some deep looking at that, I would say that is generations old. Hmm. I remember one of the best things my mom ever did for me was when I was in high school, she told me, you have alcoholism on both sides of your family. So watch yourself with it. And it was powerful for me because in those moments where my drinking got out of hand, I, I could hear her voice. And it was that voice that, that drew me into exploring like, wait, this is not the life for me. And the reason I, I specifically pinpoint to the alcoholism is because addiction is rooted in shame. Addiction mm. cannot survive without shame. And so shame is something that is not only a part of our cultural programming on a deep level. I mean, marketing is... is really targets um, and plays to the shame within people around who they be and, Mm. and what's wrong with you. Right. And I can see it having been passed down from generations to generation to generation in the family. And it's simply because nobody knew any better. It wasn't out of malicious intent. It wasn't, um, to be mean or to be hurtful. It's just that somewhere along the way, shame was used as a tool to keep us safe hmm. and to, to make it so that we wouldn't be rejected or we wouldn't be abandoned or, or neglected. And at some point, there comes a time when these things are no longer effective and then they become maladaptive. They become really toxic and unhealthy if we don't pay attention to them, if we're not aware of, of our inner workings and, and we don't have that wake up like I had where I stood in the mirror and it was literally like I looked at my reflection and I think it was 2012 and I looked at myself and I was like, who is this person hmm. staring back at me? I have no idea. This is not me. This can't be all there is in life. And that's what got me exploring around like, wait, you know, this is not okay. And I I think it just is a result of being in the world at the time that I was in the world and really not having the tools. Hmm. You you mentioned that you hired a coach around that time when you finally went on your path of healing and and, and freedom, what was that trigger to hire a coach? And were you aware of coaches? I mean, uh, and specifically for me, I, I feel like I've always heard the term, well, they're a, a life coach or a personal coach, but I didn't really understand what it was or who those, um, 
people are in the world until recently, the past year. How did you first discover uh, a coach, a personal coach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the story is really funny. Actually, I, so one of my mentors and friends, Christine Hassler, she wrote a book called 20 something, 20 everything. And (laughs) I, the book found me to this day. I have no idea where I got that book, but the book found me. And I was reading it and I thought, oh my gosh, she has cameras in my house. Like she has to be following me because (laughs) this is exactly what my life feels like. And, you know, there's like things, activities you can do that are in the book. And I started doing them. You know, I asked my mom for an interview and I asked my dad for an interview. And I was like getting feedback and doing these activities. And I thought, you know what? How can I get a hold of her? I need to email her. And I looked at the back of the book and sure enough, she had a website there and I reached out and I emailed her and she got back to me. Actually, Jill, her, her chief business officer got back to me and we set up a call. And I think I was more open at the time to this idea of a coach because I had been an athlete for so long. And so to me, I had always had a coach in my life. So that term wasn't so unfamiliar. You know, for me, it was like, if I wanted to become better at my sport, I would hire a coach to give Mm -hmm. me feedback, to, to watch my form, to give me new ideas, teach me things. And so I was a lot more receptive to this idea of coach, I think, because of my conditioning. Uh, Mm -hmm. But even as a psychotherapist and, and with my friends at the time who were, you know, colleagues, it was like, what is a coach and do they have a license? And like, do you know, do they know what they're doing? And there was a lot of suspicion, you know? And, and it, and it was like, I got on the phone with Jill and and we started talking and I ended up working with Jill. And then I worked with Christine for almost a year after that. And, uh, and now we're, we're super, we're super close and, and I'm one of her support coaches, but it, it really, it really was something that, rocked my world because Mm. I had been in therapy. I had gone to the therapist and I love therapy. Therapy for sure has its place in the world for people. And I was one of those individuals who, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but someone just asked me about it it. (laughs) and and I just bought the book and I've not read it yet. It's actually sitting (laughs) on my desk right here. Oh, funny. So I'm a three on the Enneagram. And I'm, which is the achiever. Hmm, And so I, it, part of my constitution is I want to achieve the goal. I want to get there, you know, wherever there is. And so in that process though, some of the qualities around that is like you burn out, right? You fall into fatigue, Hmm. you push too hard, you don't listen to your intuition. And, and so working with, with coaches taught me that I could, Take what happened to me in the past, look at it, address it, process whatever emotions are still attached to that, redefine the concepts that may have gotten programmed as a result of that incident. So rework those, redefine those, and then actually use what occurred as a launching pad forward. Hmm. And that like blew my mind. I was like, everybody's got to drink some of this Kool-Aid because you got to get the coach Kool-Aid because this is what I was able to move through in three months of coaching would have taken me years 
in therapy. It really gives, you know, you, I've heard the term, um, turning your pain into purpose and turning your pain into purpose really gets put into context when someone shares like what you've gone through can be your launching pad for your life, your mission, your, Mm -hmm. your purpose, everything that you've gone through. And it sounds like that, or maybe not, I don't want to lead you in. It sounds like what was that aha moment for you when you, you figured out all that you've gone through was for a specific purpose? Oh gosh, there was this moment. So I was doing a, I was doing a mastermind program with Christine Hassler and Mm. Christine for me is one of those people who she just, she's like a soul sister. She could see my soul. She can read it like vice versa. So in her mastermind program, I had just left a position that was extremely toxic for me. Uh, And in that position, I learned actually more about how empathic and intuitive I actually am because I like couldn't sleep at night. I was waking up thinking about my clients. I was waking up feeling them. I would feel like something happened and walk into work and it would be confirmed that it happened. Mm. And it was like, especially having a young, super young son at the time, it was just like, I couldn't be present for him. And so I walked away from that and she's like, so what are you going to create? And I was like, I'm going to be an event planner. And Mm. she's like, okay, you know, good. Perfect. So I start this event planning company. I'm hustling, right? Because at that point in time, I was so addicted to the hustle. The overachiever in me was like on 1000. So I was like, I'm like hustling and I'm getting these contacts with people and I'm creating these events and it's off the ground and it's going and I'm drained. I am so drained Mm -hmm. and exhausted. And I was sitting in the bathtub after working like 23 hours straight on my feet for an event. And I was sitting in my bathtub and this like boom happened inside of me that was like, you're supposed to be a coach. When are you going to, to like release the denial of this? And I was like, oh my gosh, what was that? You know, I felt like I was going crazy. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's yeah. how am I going to share that with anyone? And so I, I went, I actually went to Christine and I was standing in front of her and I said, Christine, I have something I have to tell you. And she was like, okay. And I started bawling. I said, I think I'm supposed to be a coach. And hmm. she was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, <laughs> it was so it was so hilarious. And we, well, I started cracking up when she said that, like crying and <laughs> laughing at the same time, because it was such a beautiful way. Part of coaching is allowing people to see themselves. It's allowing mm. people their journey and understanding that there's no failures. You can only be successful. And that was part of the journey was I needed to go through that event planning scenario in order to realize that I could give up the pattern of feeling like I needed to work myself into the ground in order to justify success. Hmm. Hmm, man. And, and since you've entered that world, what has your life been like? 
the word that comes to mind immediately is magic. Mm. I love that. It's been magic. The After I declared that to Christine, that was probably in August or September of, gosh, I don't even remember what year, 2015 or 2016. And mm. I like two months later, got a random letter in the mail. And at this time I was a licensed psychotherapist still. And I still am a licensed psychotherapist, but I don't operate as that. And I got a letter in the mail to come interview for a position at a women's prison. And I will tell you, Lucas, I don't remember applying for this position. I don't remember applying for the position, but when I saw that envelope, something inside me said, I got to go. And it was working with women. I had no experience working with women. Uh, I had only previously worked with juvenile boys. And I was, something in me was like, you got to go. So I went to the interview. And they offered me the position within 24 hours, which is unheard of for a government government position, right? You're like waiting three weeks yeah. for a response. <laughs> right, 24 right. hours, they were like, we want you. And something in me was just like, you got to be there. So Mm -hmm. I took the position and working with that population, it was women who had been incarcerated in prison, varying charges, but it was also one of the, I worked in the unit that was one of the highest level security units in the state. And Mm -hmm. it was, it cracked me open to the strength that humans have, to the capacity to love through trauma, through victimization, uh, through so many obstacles. And it also taught me that some of the most highly intuitive and empathic people are super susceptible to victimization because of their sensitivity. And if they mm. aren't aware of how to be in the world with their gifts, it can be a tricky dynamic. Mm. And so I saw so much of myself in these women. And I saw so much of the people that I know and love in these women. And that really, working with them, really helped me to build the body to eventually leave and take my coaching business full time. Hmm. Wow. I feel like you're, you, as you're talking, I don't know if if those listening, but I feel like you're velvet. You just are so, there's just a beautiful texture to your story, to your life to your voice, to your tone. Mm. And you are, you are a healer. You are a healer. Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, for those of your, um, I guess, are they called clients mm-hmm. who you work with yeah. now? Yeah. Your clients for your clients now, what are, what are some of the um, the characteristics that stand out with your clients that you had gone through yourself that you are able to really 
walk them through? Are there any in particular from your story? Oh, goodness, yes. Yes. Mm. Uh, I find that I work with women right now. I, I am slowly hearing the call to begin to work with men. And I've started mm. the Meet the Masculine series, which you've been a part of. But I've been working with women and what I see and, and what I'm here to support with is the suffering. There is so much suffering happening internally. And I work with the women who are the high achievers. I mean, they are slaying life in all ways, except when they get home at night, they struggle with anxiety and they struggle with depression and they struggle with loneliness. And they have these thoughts of like, this can't be it. And some of them actually might have thoughts of like, I'm done. I want this to be mm-hmm. over. And they're maybe on anti-anxiety medication and antidepressants, or they drink heavily, or they're using food to numb out. And there's this cycle of self-abuse happening because it takes so much energy to silence the soul. Hmm. And so it will really require a lot of resistance in the form of numbing devices or avoidance to really keep the soul quiet. And I see that that's the path that I walked. And it's like when you asked me before, how, how are you prepared for this journey of being a coach? It's like, I can see looking back that those years of, of just taking hit after hit after hit after hit actually brought me to a place where I can be with my clients and really know on a deep level and see them fully Hmm. and, and be able to honestly say, I feel you because I walked that. And I can tell you, there is so much beauty if you just keep walking. If we can really, if you can partner with me or somebody who is super loving and, mm. and who can fully see you and understand your journey, if we can walk this together, I promise you there's magic on the other side. Mm. And that for me is what my work is all about. Is It's about easing the suffering that humans are experiencing on this planet at this time. And it's about letting them know that they're not alone. They're so not alone in it because even the, even the women who are, like I said, slaying it by all, by all definitions of the word from the outside in, there's so much happening behind the scenes that nobody would ever guess. That's right. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. You, when you're sharing that of what I think we all do is, you know, there's alcohol or food or um, not that we all are at that point, mm-hmm. but we all have, I'm sure everyone listening can relate to that. And it made me think that maybe the soul is when you say, trust your gut, the soul is that voice down in our gut. And then there's the mind that races mm-hmm. the the heart that will that we feel, but that gut is really maybe where that's, and we 
a lot of us have a lot of abuse and trauma affects people's digestive systems. Mm -hmm. Their guts are really messed up or we keep numbing them with food or, or alcohol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Numbing that trying to get that soul to be quiet. And I like what you said. It take, what did you say? It takes a lot of energy to. Yeah. To suffocate the soul. To suffocate the soul. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Katie Lynn, you are, you're amazing. I feel like this is a coaching session for me. So this is fantastic. This is so good. Oh my goodness. How can people, I, everyone, please listening, find Katie. She is amazing. Even this morning, she posted something on Instagram and it just, I told her before we started recording that it just spoke directly to me. Everything she, I, I, she is just a walking liberator of souls. Mm. And so how can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at she is Katie Lynn. That's K-A-T-I-E-L-Y-N-N. And then on Facebook. So facebook.com backslash she is Katie Lynn. And I've just started a series. It's called Beat the Masculine. And it's with incredible, amazing, embodied masculine men and we deep dive into their dynamic and what they're experiencing and how they came to be. And I also have an individual offering that's coming up mid September. So if you would, you know, if you feel called to work with me, I would be honored to walk your journey with you and more information around that could be found via the link on my Instagram, or you can find me on Facebook and catch me there. Um, yeah. I love it. And I will put those links in the show notes and we will, We'll promote it heavily. Awesome. You, Thank my you. sweet soul sister, you are, I just, I feel you. I, I am honored to have you on the show. And if there's anything ever I can do for you, never hesitate. Cause you are, you're a torchbearer mm -hmm. in this world. And it is an honor. It's an honor to be in your presence, even though we're not in the same room, I feel like we're in the same room together. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining. Today. Thank you so much. Yeah. I remember I same to you. I mean, same to you. I remember <laughs> the first time you popped up on my zoom, I was like, Oh my gosh, you're here with me in this lifetime. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. So, <laughs> so, so I love you and adore you and just oh, support you, you a thousand percent. So mm, thank you so much for being you. you. That was an absolute pleasure an absolute pleasure having Katie on the show today. Katie Lynn is a special person and you know my mission on this on the show is to get as many incredible people as I can from every walk of life that can come speak life that talk about living the golden rule from their perspective of how they be in the world and how they liberate souls from the place of love and no judgment and allowing truth to come forth. She's incredible and, and uh, truly I am honored to have her on today. As always, I ask you to download, like, share, comment, spread the word, and let's create the movement. The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. My name is Lucas Mack and I am honored to have you listen to this show and I look forward to talking with you on the next episode. <laughs>